The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode 102 of the podcast. Today is Sunday, July the 22nd, and we are just minutes departed from UFC Hamburg. Uh, you know, a pretty okay card uh, that was capped off with a really exciting destruction of Mauricio Shogun Hua. Before we get too deep into that, I want to welcome my co-host all the way from New Jersey, Jeff. The Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this Sunday afternoon, my friend? Bill, I am excited after this fight card. It was pretty entertaining. A couple fights, maybe we can skip here or there. But overall, super entertaining. How about you, Bill? What do you got going on this weekend? I got uh, the Weiss family in town for the next three weeks, I believe. So I'm uh, my, my regular studio is converted into a bedroom, and I'm in my bedroom and uh ready to ready to get this uh episode under my belt before all the kids get back uh from the mall i think we got we got six kids plus my baby in the house uh for the next uh uh, i don't know how many years uh i mean (laughs) i mean days (laughs) but uh yeah great great card today uh there were some lackluster fights and and we want to we want to keep this episode somewhat brief today because I also did do the uh, MMA chat podcast. So you guys should go check that out. My buddy, uh, John McElroy invited me on for a round table and uh, I actually made some predictions on that episode, which you know, I, I, I don't do. So um, that's a good one. We, we broke down uh, the three top fights um, on the card next week, UFC on Fox 30 headlined by Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, which I'll get into you. Uh, with you as well, Jeff. But uh, let's go back to Hamburg. So Mauricio Hua, um, unfortunately, I think this is the way a lot of people saw this fight going against Anthony Smith. Uh, he's on a legend killer tour. Uh, it started with Rashad Evans. Uh, he retired him. I don't know if he retired uh, Mauricio Hua, but it did not look good for him. And it did not sound good. Those punches that landed on Hua's face, there was a popping noise. I don't know if you caught this, Jeff. I, I typically have the sound way down when I watch the fights. I don't, I, I don't put too much emphasis on the on the broadcast. I kind of, you know, tell the story myself as I'm going, or I'll talk to whoever I'm watching it with. But the popping sound, I couldn't tell if it was Anthony Smith's gloves that were just really dry, the leather, and that's what was making the noise, or if it was bones bursting in Shogun's face. Uh, this was an amazing performance by Anthony Smith. Not to take anything away from him, but really hard to watch. Uh, you know, we're seeing this time and again with these guys, uh, you know, who were legends in Pride, legends in the UFC, and um, you know, you see them get get broken down like this. It's tough. It's tough to see, but uh, awesome look for Anthony Smith. What, what was your reaction to this main event here, Jeff? Yeah, dude, yeah, I do. Really, really bad for for, 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 for here. And 
it was a devastating overhand right that finished him. And it was quick, man. He was looking good. He had Anthony Smith backed up. But that that overhand right, you could just see his legs go buckling under him. And then it was he, uh, he got swarmed with a lethal combination from Smith. And I'm glad the ref stopped it when he did. Because as soon as he stopped it, uh, Hua hit the deck. Yeah, and he was like, he was kind of like pulling his himself along the cage and like still unconscious. It looked like something out of The Walking Dead. It was fucking creepy. Um, but yeah, man, Anthony Smith, I think, established himself. He should definitely be ranked in the light heavyweight division uh, after that performance, a division that uh, is very light, but I think got a little bit of a recharge from this card, not just from the main event, but uh, a couple of fights on the prelims as well. I was impressed with some light heavyweights. We'll get to that. I want to kind of breeze over the main card, Jeff. So like we usually do where I give you a couple of prelims fights and you tell me which one stuck out to you, I'm going to do that with the main card here. So Corey Overtime Anderson stepping up on short notice to fill in for Alir Latifi gets the unanimous decision over Glover Teixeira. I think his wrestling was the story of this fight. Uh, Abu Azaltar uh, getting the decision over Vitor Miranda. And Marcin Tabora in a heavyweight fight against Stefan Struve. Again, uh, the story of this fight, I believe, was, was wrestling. So out of these three fights on the main card here, Jeff, uh, which one tickles your fancy the most? Uh, I think the most enjoyable one was Abu Azaitar versus Vitor Miranda. It was super back and forth. Uh, very interesting positions. Uh, a lot of the ground game was controlled by Vitor Miranda, and Ubu, Abu Azaitar was able to really reverse a lot of positions, which I didn't expect. He's known more as a striker. Um, the other two fights were, you know, it was whoever could get the best of wrestling, but I felt like Azaitar versus Miranda was a little bit more back and forth. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know what the win does for Corey Anderson. Uh, uh, again, this is a very murky division right now. The, the champ has moved up to heavyweight and doesn't look like he'll ever be back to 205. Uh, my money is that he will never fight at 205 again. Uh, we had a, a main event card coming up in Gustafson and Ozdemir that was scrapped. That could have potentially been an interim title fight. I don't know what's going to happen there. So a very murky division. All right, moving on. Danny Roberts, hot chocolate, uh, getting a very narrow split decision victory over David Zawada, who is the biggest underdog on the card. This was, uh, this was the fight of the card, uh, in my opinion. Uh, in terms of back and forth, uh, there was, uh, I don't know how many submission attempts from Zawada, and not just attempts, but attempts at different submissions. A every position he was in, he was going for a darts, he was going for a leg lock, he was going for, uh, you know, arm bars. He was going for stuff from everywhere. And, uh, you know, Danny Roberts impressed me with his uh, submission defense. I, I thought the decision may have gone to Zawada because Roberts finished each round in pretty poor positions, and that tends to weigh heavily on the judges' minds. Uh, but he gets the nod. I'm not mad at it. I, I thought it was a super close fight. I, I wouldn't have even been mad with a draw here. Uh, these guys put on a show. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, dude, super impressed with both of these guys. Very back and forth, especially on the ground. Uh, I thought Zawada was winning a lot on the ground. Uh, Roberts was doing an excellent job defending, of course. Uh, on the feet, I thought Roberts looked just a little bit better. So I don't think that Zawada, I don't think he got robbed here, but I don't think his stock goes down at all after this fight either. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so right before that, Nasrat Hakprost, 
um, takes out Mark to Casey. And this was a fight, like after the first round, I thought it could have gone either way. I, I thought Hawk Cross definitely won the first round, but to Casey's a Muay Thai guy, they usually take the first round off. They, they gauge the distance and then they kind of turn up the speed in the second round. That's just the way Muay Thai works. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, Hawk Cross just, uh, did the right thing. The way you counter Muay Thai striking is with pressure. You don't let the striker get in a rhythm with their kicks. And that's what the Casey needed to, to fire off in this fight. And he didn't get that. He didn't get any space to breathe in this fight at all. He even shot for a couple of takedowns and he is not a ground guy by any means. And Hawk Ross shut those down. I thought it was a very impressive, very dominant performance. He busted the Casey up real well. Give me your reaction to this one, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I think uh, Hawk Parast gave you Casey the business over three rounds, man. Um, it, he looked good everywhere, standing up on the ground. He was in Jack Casey's face, putting that pressure you were talking about on him. And, you know, he just looked really, really good in there. I was impressed. I definitely thought he got this decision hands down. Yeah, for sure. He, he looked real good. The only decision that I thought was more dominant was Alexander Rakic over Justin Ledette. And I think two of the judges uh, scored 10-8 rounds in all three rounds for Rakic. Uh, this was a really dominant performance. And this touches back on the, the light heavyweight division, getting a little bit of a bump here, which I'm excited for. Justin Ledette undefeated going into this fight. And, uh, you know, there are levels to this game. And he was not on Alexander Rakic's level. Um, the, the thing that with some of these uh, European strikers, and I don't want to misspeak on his nationality here, but the, the thing with a lot of these strikers is, uh, yeah, he's from Austria. So with the European strikers, they sometimes look very stiff. And that's what I thought about Rakic in the beginning of this fight. But it somehow works, especially if you're going against guys who are used to a lot of movement, a lot of bouncing around, sometimes they'll be thrown off by, a, you know, a stiffer striker who's throwing, uh, you know, everything into every strike, or it, it appears that way. Um, but, I, man, what a dominant performance by Rakic here. And uh, I'm excited to see this guy work his way up in light heavyweight, which shouldn't be hard since it's a pretty empty division. Give me your reaction to this fight, Jeff. Yeah, dude, Rakic dominated every single round. Every single position, whether they were standing or on the ground, it was the Alexander Rakic show. And Justin Ledette, like you said, undefeated, but also uh, coming down to light heavyweight from heavyweight. So I don't think he expected the pressure that Rakic put on him. And Rakic said in uh, the post-fight interview that he was going for a Cain Velasquez-like performance. And that's right up there. That that was textbook Cain Velasquez. You know, constant pressure in your face, whether it's on the ground or on the feet, you're going to be breathing heavy. And Justin Ledette got pieced up every single round. He just was not ready for the storm that is Alexander Rakic. Yeah, credit to Ledette. I mean, he had a bad showing. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back, you know, still 9-1 and one or, or whatever his record is at now at this point. You know, he had a bad night, and uh, hopefully he learns from it, and he'll be back stronger. Uh, and like I said, super weak division. So uh, there's definitely room for improvement here. Um, it, one of the most impressive performances of the night also came from Manny Bermudez over Davy Grant. Uh, this guy chained together submissions so slick. Uh, you know, he, he went from one thing to the next and finally finished with a triangle. 
and uh, he did it in under a minute. Uh, it was it was really impressive jujitsu, and it started out by putting Davy Grant down with strikes. Uh, so definitely impressive performance by him. Um, Darko Stosic, uh, nasty knockout over Jeremy Kimball. And uh, that's all I really want to touch on. Oh, Emil Meek showing that he really doesn't have takedown defense, which is a terrible thing in, in this welterweight division that is a clusterfuck of wrestlers at the top of it. Uh, you know, from the champ Tyrone Woodley to the former interim champ, uh, Colby Covington and on down. Uh, if, if you skip over Darren Till and Wonder Boy, pretty much all uh, wrestlers and grapplers in there. So not a good look for Emil Meek. Uh, your thoughts on any of those three fights that I just uh, mentioned here, Jeff? Yeah, dude. Emil Meek just looked a little awkward in there. He looked a little slower than usual. I don't know how his weight cut was or anything like that, but he just didn't seem himself. And it looked like once uh, Bartos Fabinski was able to bypass the strikes and change levels on him, Meek didn't have too many answers. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anything else on Hamburg, Jeff, or you think we can move on? No, nah, I think we can move on here, Bill. Overall, pretty solid card. Yeah, pretty decent. Uh, let's keep this train rolling here. All right. So uh, I want to talk about Professional Fighters League 4, which took place on Thursday. I don't know if you caught that one, Jeff. But before that, let's preview UFC on Fox 30, uh, Alvarez versus Poirier. And like I said, I was on the MMA chat podcast right before this. I was doing that while trying to watch uh, the, the Hamburg card. Um, so I was juggling a couple of things there, but I just went into detail on a lot of these fights. So uh, I'm anxious to talk to you about it, Jeff. So the, the main event here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, is a rematch between former lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, of course, their last matchup had a controversial ending, illegal knee, and uh, the fight was stopped and couldn't be restarted and everything like that. Um, very back and forth. Uh, Alvarez was almost put away. Poirier was almost put away. Uh, and then the illegal knee incident. Uh, so let's start at the top, and we'll work from there. Jeff, how do you think this one's going to go down? I'll be honest with you, Bill. I have no idea. I mean, their last fight was so back and forth. It looked like one of them was going to get finished. Then it looked like the other one was going to get finished. And then the fight got finished because of some, you know, bad decision making, unfortunately. But uh, I'm, I've been excited. I've been waiting for them to run this one back. And unfortunately, I believe this was supposed to be a Justin Gaethje versus Poirier fight. But I'm glad that um, Alvarez versus Poirier is happening. Super excited for this one. I don't know. Their, their styles are so good for each other you know alvarez is a wrestler who can strike poirier is a striker who has added some grappling to his game so they're both pretty well rounded should be an awesome fight yeah and uh th this was a breakdown i gave on the mma chat uh podcast not to spoil anything definitely still go check that out uh, if you're a fan of this show you'll you'll enjoy that one as well i think both of these fighters are very emotional but in different ways i think when eddie alvarez fights angry and he gets in there and he brawls and he throws flurries of punches. Uh, he's at his best. Like when he was counted out against Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, he came out like a man on fire and and fought one of his best fights in that fight. Uh, with the exception of the Conor McGregor fight, uh, you know, a lot of psychological warfare there. But for the most part, an angry Eddie Alvarez is a dangerous Eddie Alvarez. It's the opposite with Dustin Poirier. When Dustin Poirier fights with his emotions, he gets caught. Uh, Michael Johnson's an example of that. Conor McGregor's an example of that. Uh, but if he stays composed in there, I think he's one of the most dangerous lightweights 
on the planet, if not the most. Uh, you know, Clear-headed, non-aggressive uh, Dustin Poirier with a strong game plan and sticking to it uh, is a very dangerous fighter. And if he does that against Eddie Alvarez, uh, it's going to be a tough night for Eddie. But if Eddie's able to get some momentum, uh, there's no slowing that guy down. He's going to be in your face for the entire 25 minutes, and he will not get tired. All right, let's move on to the co-main event here. This is a fight uh, a lot of people were kind of saying, you know, if it was three years ago, uh, this would be an awesome matchup. I think a lot of people writing Jose Aldo off here, and uh, they think he's going to become a victim of Jeremy Stevens. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm not ready to write Jose Aldo off yet. He's only 31. Granted, he has a lot of miles on him from all the hard training and hard sparring in Brazil over the years. Uh, you know, those guys train like savages. Uh, I think if Jose Aldo goes in with a game plan and he goes back to the leg kicks, which we haven't seen in a while, and I know a lot of people say everybody's always talking about Aldo's leg kicks. We, we never see them. Keep in mind that his last couple of opponents, with the exception of Max Holloway and Conor McGregor, were all wrestlers. Frankie Edgar, Chad Mendez, you don't want to be throwing leg kicks against those guys because you're going to end up on your back. Uh, so that's why we haven't seen it for a while. He got caught up in brawling with Max Holloway. Uh, which was a mistake. If he does that with Jeremy Stevens, he's definitely going to have a quick night. Uh, and, you know, if Jeremy Stevens is able to make this fight uh, a brawl, then it's definitely going to favor him as well. What are your thoughts on this co-main event here, Jeff? I think you hit the nail on the head, both with your analysis of Alvarez Poirier and Aldo Stevens here. I think that if it's a brawl, it definitely favors Jeremy Stevens, and that's what he's going to look for. However, Aldo... Uh, has proven that he's super technical you know he can hit you and then disappear and be out of range so i think that if he does that and throws in some leg kicks and really uh gets rid of some of that movement and power that stevens has i think it's going to be a long night for stevens so uh it's basically comes down to whoever can implement implement their game plan a little better yeah for sure great points all right so let's keep up with the trend of former champions here you want to getting back in there for her first three-round fight in about four years, I believe. And she's taken on Tisha Torres. Both of these fighters are coming off of losses. Uh, it's kind of a tough situation here because even if Joanna wins, you know she's already lost two in a row to the champ. So as long as Rose is the top of the strawweight division, I don't see Joanna getting back in there. Uh, I see a victory here sending her to the flyweight division. Um, uh, that's just the way I see it. If she takes a loss, then she's going to have to take another straw weight fight. And, you know, maybe Rose won't be the champion. Maybe some openings will come for her. Uh, what are your thoughts on this fight? And how do you see it playing out, Jeff? Uh, this is a tricky one. Uh, Tisha Torres is giving up, I think, some height and reach advantage to the former champion. But she's got some mean cardio. She showed that in her uh, last two fights, actually. Um, but Joanna, I think, is actually really dangerous right now, Bill. I think she's in there angry that she's lost two uh, consecutive fights to someone who many people thought she should beat. And, you know, many people wrote off Rose Namajunas. Not to discredit her, but I think Joanna and Jacek is going to be in there with a chip on her shoulder. But I think it's also going to make her a little bit more calm. And at the same time, I think she can unload a little bit more because now she doesn't have to worry about those two extra rounds. Uh, she doesn't have to conserve as much. And I, I think this is a dangerous fight for Tisha Torres. Um, however, if Joanna wins and does go to the flyweight division, 
I would love to see that. I think it opens up a whole new uh, set of matchups for her. Maybe her and Nico Montano, if you know Montano ever decides to defend her belt, uh, which she will, I think, in the fall. So a lot of a lot of different things can happen here. So I'm excited to see this one, Bill. Yeah, for sure. This is a great fight. I think Tisha Torres, out of the two, she's the only one who has proven that she can come back from a loss. Uh, so she's lost the fight and then come back and put together a couple of wins. Joanna has not done that in MMA yet. Uh, so that plays to the psychology a little bit. She was so dominant for so long, and now she's coming off of two losses. We haven't seen her bounce back. Granted, she did look better in the second loss to Rose than she did in the first. Uh, you know, it, it was a, a more competitive fight than the first one for sure. Um, and Tisha, the second thing she has going for her is her grappling. She definitely has a grappling advantage. But the only thing that we've seen that's been able to beat Ioana is striking and pressure. Like I was talking about, pressuring a Muay Thai fighter, not letting them get into a rhythm uh, is super important. And that's the way that Rose uh, beat Ioana. We've never seen Ioana struggle with grapplers. We've seen her get taken down, maybe in the first round, held down a little bit. But we, we've never seen her uh, dominated on the ground. She's She has great takedown defense, and she's great at getting back to her feet. So skill for skill here, I don't see any way Joanna uh, loses this fight. But there is a lot of psychology at play here as well. We don't know if she's the same fighter she was before she got knocked out by Rose Namunis. But that's the fun thing about this sport, Jeff. We're going to find that out on Saturday night on Big Fox. Um, here's a fight I'm really excited for. It's... Uh, one of the top fights for me, and that's Olivier Alban Mercier and Alex Hernandez. Uh, these are two guys who are, have both been on the cusp of being stars uh, in the UFC for a while now. I've been big on Alban Mercier for a while. I'm a big fan of his aggressive grappling, uh, and he's fucking huge. And so is Alex Hernandez. And this is a, a classic striker versus grappler matchup. Uh, um, although Alex Hernandez, is, both of these guys are really well-rounded, but you can boil it down to that uh, if you want to talk uh, semantics. But I'm excited for this one. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, we've seen some great finishes from both of these guys. And like you said, they're super well-rounded. I'm really excited to see this one, man. I feel like it could go one of two ways. It could go with Hernandez, you know, maybe kicking Aubin Mercier's head off or Aubin Mercier putting him on the ground, and just beating the shit out of him. So it could go either way. I'm super excited for how these two match up. Yeah, for sure. And um, I'm going to jump down the card a little bit. I'm really excited for that Alban Mercier-Hernandez fight, though. That's a good one. But this is my number one fight I'm looking forward to on the whole card, Jeff, including the main event. And that is Gassimarad Antigalov and Iwan Kutelaba. These two guys... These two light heavyweights have been to three decisions combined, uh, and, and they've both had long careers. Uh, yeah, Antigalov, over 20 fights. Uh, Kutilaba's up there, too. He has 16 fights. Three decisions between the two of them. These guys like to get in there and bang. Ten knockouts by Kutilaba, uh, a bunch of knockouts by Antigalov, and a bunch of submissions. I think we're going to see fireworks here. These are two finishers. Uh, and I, I really think we need a spark in this light heavyweight division. So an impressive victory here. I would love to see the winner of this take on Anthony Smith, who should be a ranked light heavyweight after his poor performance today. Uh, did this one catch your eye at all, Jeff, or am I alone on this one? 
Um, I remember Kutalaba from a previous fight card. Um, I, I can't remember too much about him. I have to look back a little bit and do some research. As for Antigolov, I don't know too much about him, but um, I'm going to take your word for it, Bill. Uh, it sounds like this could be an explosive fight. I know I've heard Ian Kutalaba's name before, but I can't remember who he fought. I'd have to, like I said, I have to look back. But, um, you know, after Anthony Smith's performance, I, I, I'd i love to see him go up against a grappler and see what he can do against one of those guys. And we've seen him up against um, Shohan Hua, who's more of a striker, uh, Rashad Evans, who really should have wrestled him a little bit more. But uh, let's see where this goes, Bill. Yeah, for sure. So Kutalaba is coming off uh, a 22-second knockout of Henry Da Silva. Uh, and before that, he was kind of hot and cold. But Always exciting. Uh, never really puts on a boring fight. Only 24 years old. Uh, uh, this is my my number one pick. I'm really excited for this one. If you're going to skip the prelims, tune in for this fight because uh, I can almost guarantee this one's going to be exciting. Uh, another fight on the prelims that, that kind of catches my attention is John McDessie and Ross Pearson. Uh, this should be a stand-up battle. McDessie has some you know, flashy striking, and, and Ross Pearson is – you know, a durable striker has been around a long time, a lot of experience there. So, uh, you know, maybe not fireworks, but definitely a, a whole pack of sparklers. <laughs> um, anything else on this card uh, kind of pique your interest here, Jeff? Uh, actually, I'm looking at two of the women's fights. Uh, Nina Ansaroff is actually going to fight against Ronda Marcos. Uh, both of these women are super talented. Marcos is a pretty good striker, although I haven't seen too much from Nina Ansaroff, but I know she's a good fighter uh, from what I've heard. So I'm pretty excited for that one, as well as the return of Alexis Davis, who we haven't seen in a, in a while, ranked number three against uh, Caitlin Chukagian. Um, so, dude, I think that uh, the women's fights are going to be pretty solid on this card. Yeah, for sure. Caitlin Chukagi and uh, fellow Henzo Gracie uh, student. So trains uh, trains uh, right there in Hoboken near you, I believe, Jeff. Uh, so I'm going to move on. I don't know if you caught the Professional Fighters League on Thursday, Jeff. It was a, it was a good card. Very solid. There were some great fights on there. Uh, no big names, really, like the last couple of cards we've seen, but uh, still very solid. The main event was uh, Lance Palmer. Uh, getting a submission victory. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to his opponent's name, but uh, you can look it up if you want. But Lance Palmer, super legit fighter, four-time All-American at Ohio State in wrestling. Uh, super tight grappling, uh, heavy, heavy, heavy on top, uh, especially for a featherweight. Uh, really great performance by him. Um and, you know, may, may be a favorite in the featherweight tournament. Uh, like we talked about on the last couple of episodes, you can go back and, and hear the breakdown of, of what the Professional Fighters League is and their tournament format and their point system and everything like that. Uh, you can check out the past episodes for that. Maybe we'll take a deeper dive on it another day again uh, when we have a little bit more time. Um, the story of this card, though, unfortunately, Steven Seiler and... Alexander Almeida um, had had a fight, and Almeida kind of got dropped, and and Siler, uh put in a guillotine. He did not have it uh, really locked in, and Dan Mergliata steps in and breaks up the fight without a tap, 
without Almeida being unconscious. And even Siler was confused because he admitted he didn't have the guillotine locked in. He was just kind of holding on to it. He knew Almeida wasn't out. He didn't want to win like that. But at the same point, at the same time, he gets six points in the tournament. But really unfortunate. I almost feel, and this event took place in Long Island, I believe. I almost feel like New York is cursed. Like so many bad things happen whenever MMA takes place in New York. And Dan Mergliata is is not a terrible ref. Uh, but this is one of the worst blunders of the year. Uh, it's fortunate for Big Dan that not a lot of people watch this card. But, man, it, it really makes you wonder why there's there's nothing anybody can do. You can't appeal something like this to make it a no contest because even if you do, it's just a waste of time and money. They will not turn over any decisions uh, unless it's their call. Uh, you know, if a fighter enacts an appeal, it never it never works out. And um, you know, there's no consequences, uh, and the, you're you're messing with people's livelihoods here. You know, maybe Almeida could have had a comeback. Maybe he would have tapped out, but. Uh, we'll never know because it was stopped early. Did you catch this, Jeff? I did not, unfortunately. I got home late. I uh, missed this entire card. But it looks like it was pretty solid. Uh, a lot of fighters getting more than three points. Obviously, that tells me that there are a couple of finishes on this card. And, Bill, uh, it's unfortunate what happened between um, Almeida and Siler. Uh, however, Bill, this... Um, this whole tournament is starting to take shape. Uh, we're starting to see who the leaders are in terms of points and stuff. So I think that the PFL is definitely going to get better, Bill. So hopefully you won't be too disappointed with what comes up. Yeah, for sure. I, I wish I had uh, more positives to talk about it. But like I said, we're a little short on time today. But I'm definitely going to keep up uh, with the PFL. So the next one, PFL 5, is going to be on august 2nd so we'll be looking forward to that but we get a lot of mma to cover here at the end of july between now and then and uh i don't even see a card coming up right now maybe it's on their website but it's not where i'm looking right now so man i i feel like we just blasted through this episode and we covered so much jeff uh ufc hamburg ufc calgary uh, on Big Fox coming up, uh, PFL. Uh, Contender Series has been great. I, I've kind of made a conscious decision not to cover it on this show right now uh, just because it would be like talking about like college football or, or something, or, you know, when it's an NFL show. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about these guys when they make it to the show. But uh, Nick Newell, uh, of course, is making his debut on the Contender Series this coming Tuesday. So a lot of people will be tuning in for that. I think a lot of pressure on him. Phenomenal fighter, but... You know, they've really been building him up. They put him towards the end of the season. I think there's a lot of pressure on him to win and win impressively. You can't just win a decision on this contender series. you got to be able to get the contract. Uh, so uh, a lot of pressure on Nick Newell, but a lot of people believe in him and have been calling for him to be in the UFC for a long time. Uh, any thoughts on that or anything we might have missed here, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I'm excited to check out uh, Nick Newell. I haven't seen too many of his fights, but I have seen some highlights. He's got good wrestling. His submission game is really solid. So um, I'm excited to see how he does. Uh, I'm just a little bit worried, like you said, about the pressure, man. They're building him, they're building him up, 
and I hope that they don't run into like a Sage Northcutt situation where maybe they build them up a, just a little too soon. But uh, either way, I'm excited to check this guy out. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a top-tier fighter. His only loss is, a, is a, to Justin Gaethje, who you know we know is an elite fighter. Um, so uh, hopefully he makes his way into the UFC and he, he proves what he can do. Uh, and for those who don't know, Nick Newell only has one arm. Uh, so he's been, he's been making his way through the MMA world and impressing a lot of people with a lot of great victories and, and overcoming what a lot of people would say is a disadvantage, but, uh, he's proving that it's definitely not, and he can be an elite level fighter, uh, you know, despite his circumstances. And that's an awesome thing to see. It's a really motivational thing and I'm excited for him and I hope he's able to prove himself. He's going up against a tough guy out of, uh, Team Alpha Male, though, so they're not making it easy on Nick Newell, but he's used to things not being easy his entire life. So that's his story. All right, Jeff, unless you got anything else, we're going to call it here. Uh, I, I'm holed up in my bedroom right now with a bottle of scotch, but I can't stay here all day unnoticed. Uh, i got to get back out to a family reunion here, and uh, that, that'll be it. So if you want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And you guys all know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks everywhere on social media. If you didn't get enough of me this week, you can check me out on the Mixed Martial Arts Chat Podcast as well. So go check that one out. Go subscribe. John's a good guy. He's got a he's got a really uh, awesome Scottish accent, so you'll enjoy it. And uh, he likes to drink too. So we're all friends. All right. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.